It is such an honor uh, to be here today as we continue celebrating uh, the big family of God. This year is the year of the family for us, and we're reaching every family, empowering every family, embracing everyone as a part of the Freedom Fellowship family. And here's what I have learned during this season, okay? That uh, declaring the year of family is not easy. Did I get an amen from somebody? One of the things that I have learned about family is that the enemy is working overtime to destroy homes and families. Can I get a yes? And many of you have been impacted by that. Also, when you say, hey, we're going to reach families, uh, uh, there is some spiritual warfare that's involved in it. So let's begin again by just celebrating God's beautiful family. Could we just celebrate God's beautiful family? Can we do that? The family of God. At Freedom, one of the things that we know and that we celebrate is that Sunday is never the most segregated day of the week at Freedom. Somebody thank God for that. It is not. Uh, We also, during the season, have recognized that it is the Holy Spirit that has come and he did this amazing work. Remember on Mother's Day when we talked about this? On Mother's Day, we, re- we remembered that God created us all in the image of God, male and female, he created them. So you might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the family of God, but I'm a woman. Thank, let's thank God for all the ladies in the church. But let's also thank God for all the brothers in the church, all right? We're just, we're so grateful Uh, We have experienced week after week. I mean, May is an amazing week. I mean, we opened up with All Nations Sunday. uh, Then we rolled into Mother's Day Sunday. And then we had Pentecost Sunday. And today we're we're celebrating uh, Memorial Day weekend. So uh, we'll we'll take a little bit of a break uh, next Sunday. But then uh, June 17th uh, is Father's Day. Somebody praise Jesus for Father's Day, all right? And we got, we got a lot of fun things planned as we honor men. Uh, Diana, was it next Sunday, June 3rd, we're honoring graduates as well. So uh, on uh, this coming Sunday, got any graduates in the house? Anybody wave at me, right? So uh, uh, I, I saw some amazing pictures, and uh, we want to celebrate and honor you as well. Today, though, I want to talk about, it is Memorial Day, and here's my heart. I want to talk about fighting for the family. Get your sermon notes out and take a look at some scriptures. I'm going to open up with 1 Timothy. I don't plan to spend the whole message here, but 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Uh, You want to read this with me? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Say that again. Come on. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we're going to fight the good fight of faith. It is Memorial Day, and I love living in a military community. I love our military, all right? I thought that sooner or later, just because I drove by Oceana Naval Air Station and Damn Neck as many times as I have, that they would give me like an honorary membership or something. At least give me a pass. Uh, But one of the things that I learned is just because you drive by the military base don't mean you're military. You know? And just, I got an amen. Thank you, Lyle. Okay? Okay? Just because you drive by the church don't make you a Christian. And just because you come in. Right? Uh, 
How many have ever fought with their flesh before? Anybody ever fought with your flesh? Anybody ever done that? And anybody ever struggled with love and godliness? Come on, anybody? Didn't you have your mama look at you and say, you know, Jesus is watching you. Anybody ever had that? Jesus is watching you, and you just had to straighten things up. So I, uh, I love our military community. I love their steadfastness. I think uh, yesterday after being in the hospital as long as we were yesterday, uh, seeing the great military community there, Portsmouth Naval Hospital, where we were yesterday, I was again just amazed at how spectacular uh, these brothers and sisters are as they walked in and honored and blessed us. I also love, how many love those, those uh, videos that you see on TV when somebody comes home? Anybody love that? I saw Brian over here. Stand up, Brian. Brian just got home a few weeks ago. And uh, sit down, Captain America. All right. I haven't got anything to give you. All right. I haven't. But no, I'm teasing. Uh, no, I don't. I really don't. Uh, uh, he came back after being deployed for so long, dressed up like Captain America, and uh, surprised. It was on, I don't know if you saw it on, uh, on TV, but surprised his kids. And it was so funny because Gracie just kind of looked at him like, Okay, you know, and, but that's Gracie, you know, uh, but they were so blessed and so excited, and it was just a, such an amazing moment, and, but I always enjoy that, I just, coming home, I mean, oh, coming home is great, uh, I, I think one of the big reasons we love reunions is more than smiles from children, however, I think it's about the reality that in our history as a nation, we know that not everyone returned, Right? We know that everyone didn't return. I brought uh, these two pictures uh, uh, that I inherited from my grandmother because these pictures are, are of my uncles. This is Lester and Edward Hyatt, and uh, I've always I've kept these pictures. They were all, there were always pictures in my great grandmother's house because these are her sons. And my grandmother's brothers, Lester and Edward, who both served in Korea. Uh, and uh, what happened is uh, there was an ambush, and uh, one of them was captured, and the other one went to find him uh, and try to set him free. And in the process, both of them ended up not returning uh, during the Korean War. Uh, not only did they not return, but their bodies were never returned. Uh, there is a grave site that we visit, but uh, their bodies are not in that gravesite, but they wanted to set up a memorial uh, there in the family uh, gravesite. Uh, but anybody love my pictures? Anybody ever seen pictures like this? Because these pictures, what they did is, is the military, they prepared these and they gave them to my grandparents and then they gave them to their family members. All of the brothers and sisters all received these pictures. So when my grandmother died, you know, I'm a, I'm a picture hound. So when she died, uh, we were, everybody was going through the pictures. I said, hey, anybody want these? And uh, so they're mine now. Yes, that's right. Uh, and uh, I'll just set these right here in case anybody wants to see my family there. Lester and Edward, aren't those great names? I love those guys. So um, I, I love them, and I, so I'm personally touched like some of you are regarding this. I am grateful. Anybody grateful for the, I mean, we didn't, you know, you've probably heard this, you know, uh, war. Ooh. What is it good for? Absolutely. Okay, now just... Hush for a minute, and I want you to thank God that Hitler didn't win. All right? Anybody thankful? All right? And maybe, you know, if your history goes back to World War I, and you know about some of what that was fought over, even though the Ottoman Empire was not as strong at that particular time, how many are glad they didn't win? 
All right, you, you understand? Uh, if you go back and you look historically at the wars that we have fought, uh, World War I, World War II, I mean, some, um, uh, Korea, Vietnam, and might I also uh, add in the Gulf War, the war in Afghanistan, the Iraq War, just some of the wars. I mean, here are just some of the stats of those who have fought. You know, we, we've got nearly 3 million casualties of war. I don't know exactly what the number is, but not to mention the thousands who have died from complications of war, from, from uh, battle injuries, individuals who have suffered from PTSD. Uh, we salute them and we salute their families and the sacrifices that they have made. Somebody thank God our faith is secure. Our ability to proclaim the name of Jesus with freedom is secure. But brave men and women were willing to give their life. And so today uh, we stood in this house called freedom and gave thanks. So I have a word that I want to share with you more than this in the next few moments. But those who have fought and died were fighting for their nation. But when you look at these moments of veterans coming home and know the stories of those who laid down their lives, I mean, anytime Brett comes and tells me the stories of his, uh, of his brothers, you know, in arms and how that uh, they suffered, any, it, it touches me deeply. Uh, and because of their deaths, uh, sometimes we hear of this war cry of hatred of war. Nobody wants to go to war, but I want to thank God that there are men and women who stand in our defense. Anybody with me on this? Amen. They were fighting not just for their homeland. Some people say, well, they're fighting for the United States. I think that's true. But I think if you talk to a veteran, they might say that they were also fighting for their families. They were fighting for their homes. Memorial Day has a way of unifying us. When I showed you the pictures of my loved ones and when we plant fat flags in the front yard today, we're reminded of the willingness of those who would do anything to protect and preserve those whom they love. They would sacrifice their breath in order to extend it to you. And so, here we are today as families and friends and it's Memorial Day and I, I think that we are also, as believers, somehow we have also sworn allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us that we need to fight. What? Fight, am I right? Is that what it says? Fight the good fight of the faith. Say it. Fight the good fight of the faith. And I want to talk from that, give you just a few thoughts this morning. First of all, I want to call us in fighting for the family. I want to say this. We need to fight the right battle. Everybody shout, fight the right battle. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Anybody remember that moment on the cross? Speak more to it in a moment. But uh, uh, we have an enemy who is real. Did you know that? An enemy that is real as the body of Christ. Uh, I am not the historian that some of you are. But uh, one of the things that has happened in relationship to war is that technology has found the battlefield. And when World War I began, uh, people had, some people were slow to change. Uh, France, who had come out of the leadership of Napoleon, uh, were, was, was a massive army, and they would stand. Anybody seen pictures? They would stand uh, in these blue uniforms with these massive blue feathers in their hats and with their weapons in their hand. And so uh, they would march 
uh, in their hats. They would stand shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield. And so when World War I shows up, they show up in their, with their feathers, and, and Germans showed up with machine guns. And it changed the battlefield. There is a, a battle uh, in, in, from, uh, that, that took place in France between the, between the Germans and France. Uh, it's called, anybody heard of Hill 304? Hill 304 uh, was, the, uh, the Germans believed it to be a strategic hill that needed to be taken. And so they fought for this hill because it would give them uh, the ability to protect their forces, their supply lines, and they would have great sight. So they fought up this, 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 this hillside. Now, one of the things that technology also changed was when the machine guns showed up, trenches also showed up. Right? So rather than marching across the battlefield, you dug into the battlefield, and there were tunnels, and out of that, it, it changed warfare. So at Hill 304, what took place is uh, when they began to fight, they would entrench themselves, and for days and days and days, and sometimes months, and weeks and months would go on, they would fight. And so someone would die who was not in the trench, and no one could go and bring their body back, and the body would just lay there. So Hill 304 exchanged hands over and over and over and over again. And it, it is said that the soldiers would dig deep down in and they would become entrenched and as month after month they would fight. Eventually the depth was so great that as soldiers finally would march up the hill, they would sink down knee deep and waist deep into the rotting flesh of those who had died before them. Sad part of the story is that in the end the hill was not as vital. In fact, it was said that the hill was not necessary. In other words, they had died and left their bodies. They had left individuals in death on a hillside. Nearly one million lives were just lost in that battle. And in the end, it was said to be irrelevant. So let me ask you, regarding the battles that you're fighting right now, some of them you need to lay down. There are things, come on, there are things in our families and our homes, and if there's anything I know as a pastor, just as soon as you begin to say, hey, come on, it's the year of the family. We're going to fix our relationships. We're going we're to take care of our children. And then I watch people and I have them come in on occasion. They're fighting for things and fighting against each other. And for some reason, they think they're important. Let me talk to some of my kids right now. Some of the things you're fighting for right now are irrelevant. Some of the things that you see in your lives right now and you say, you know, if mama would just pay attention to me and give me what I want and you're fighting for something and I'm telling you 20 years from now, you'll look back and say, those tennis shoes were not nearly as important as I thought they were. Preach, Pastor Rick. Sometimes we... In our, in our marriages. Anybody, anybody ever been married before? Anybody ever been married? How many can hold your hand and say, it's always easy? No, don't. Okay. It would be easier. Some of us right now are thinking of some battles in your past, and you're wishing that those battles, come on, had not, you had not fought those particular battles. You, you fussed over some things you should not have fussed over. Come on. 
I'll get to our families, but can I, let me just speak to the church family for a moment. I really just want to speak to the church family this. Our, as the church of the Lord Jesus, sometimes we fight battles that we should not fight. Uh, how many were here Wednesday night? Anybody get here Wednesday night? You don't have to turn the volume on for this. Just click that next little video there. I, 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 I don't know if you saw our kids singing Wednesday, but I'm telling you, they absolutely tore it up on Wednesday night. They had the whole service, and by the time it was over, we were all standing and worshiping the Lord Jesus with them because it was a worship service led by all of our kids. Now, if you do not know this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this information, all right? All right, from uh, 85% of individuals that give their lives to Jesus Christ do so between the ages of four and, it's four and 24, all right? Uh, so how many gave their lives to Jesus when you were a child? Anybody? Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you this, all right, because I believe that our children are important. How many believe our kids are important? How many want our kids to know Jesus? Listen, listen, listen to me. I believe our teenagers are important. No, no, no. Listen, I, and I remember this. One of the, one, a battle I fought years and years ago, okay? I, was, uh, I had some crazy kids that were coming to my church, okay? I was, I was uh, a young pastor, still trying to be the youth pastor, music pastor, and a senior pastor. I don't know if anybody remembers me back in those days, but I was nuts, okay? And... Uh, I had a, uh, a youth activity one, one night, and it was before this area was here, and I had, this, I had a, one of the boys who messed up, in, messed up his part, all right? And he walked out, the, out down the hallway, and he was just upset, and he took his hand and he just punched the wall, and he didn't hit a two before. He hit sheetrock. There's a big hole now, all right? And, oh, man. The trouble I had to deal with that day. Who put that hole in the church wall? We're going to find him. You don't treat the house of God that way. All right? If I could right now, I'd like to go punch a wall just so I could help you understand what I'm saying. How frustrated. How many have ever hit a wall before? Anybody? Anybody ever hit a wall? Oh, okay. So you don't have the ability to judge anybody. Okay. All right? All I'm saying that in the, in the body of Christ, what is more important than the building? It is the people of God. I was so thankful, and somebody came to me and jumped in my head. How can you let people do that? I said, I'm just so thankful they did it here and not out on the street somewhere. I'm just so thankful that they could go ahead and engage and let me know and that they're still here. I'm so thankful that we can see that. Aren't you glad that broken, messed up people come to Freedom Fellowship? Anybody? How about loud kids? Anybody thankful for loud kids? I didn't get an amen, I don't think. Did I? Loud. How about obnoxious kids? Anybody thankful for them? You're saying, Pastor, you're pushing the envelope right now. I'm saying, anybody grateful that people who do not know how to act in church come to this church? Praise God! Don't you realize that Jesus began his church with teenagers? John was just a teenager when he started following the Lord Jesus. He said, no, they were like 50. Come on, Jesus was just barely 30 when he started his ministry. We're talking young people. And some people say, well, you know, pastor, we've got to be careful because you get young people, then things start getting loud. 
tissue paper. How many of my seniors on occasion put some in your ears? Sister Charlotte Valava, she came every Sunday. She'd sit right back there, right? Sister, she'd sit right back there, and she would put some plugs in her ears and just stand and worship Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. And then come and tell me, I just love it. I just love seeing all those young people up there. Listen, I'm just, just so you, if you do not know this, I'm after everybody, but I'm going to win those people that are four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and 10 and 11 and 12. And I want to see those kids standing up here on the, I want to see your babies. Come on, your grandchildren. Anybody know that what we're building right now is not for me. It's for the next generation. Anybody know that? And when I'm gone, I, I'm fine. Fighting now for a family that's not even here yet. Anybody, you ought to clap your hands with me. All right. I've preached too long already, but I'm going to keep preaching. All right. Um, thank you, John. Thank you, bro. All right. All right. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We're the church of the Lord Jesus. I'll come back to that scripture. I'm going to, I'm just keep going. Secondly, we must fight for our families. I, we must fight for our families, our families, our families, our marriages, our children, okay? I didn't say we must fight with our families. I said we must fight for our families. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You say, you ain't been to my house. But against the rulers, okay, Who's really the authority in my house? Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, places. So I am every day involved in spiritual warfare because the enemy is after your home. When you are in arguments that are overwhelming, the enemy is, your, is in your home. And you say, yeah, and I know who he is. And I'm not talking about your husband right now. <laughs> When you argue, and if you put it on your clock and you can determine that we fuss more than we pray, the enemy is in your home. When you are going to bed angry night after night, say it, the enemy is in your home. When love has left your home, the enemy is in your home. As soon as you say, well, we're just not in love anymore. Well, something's in Okay? Let me remind you of this scripture in 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love. I'm going to read that again. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Read this. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now I want to say this again. I am much better at preaching this scripture than the guy who was at the royal wedding. Okay? Because if you research him, you know he had an ulterior motive. Okay? Anybody was here last Sunday, you know I'm telling the truth right now. Okay? I said, man, he preached. I was sitting at a pastor's conference the other day, and I explained this to a pastor, and they didn't want to sit with me anymore. Okay? That, that, and I, oh, he, man, that guy could preach. You didn't listen to what he said. All you heard was the tone that he was preaching with. And then you didn't research his background to find out what the message was really about. Because, you know, he's the guy that has 
been part of the leadership of dividing the Episcopal Church and the first pastor to do a same-sex marriage in his own church. Preach, Pastor Rick. And he used the scripture to validate it. Come on. So let me, let me teach you this, okay? Somebody shout, God is love. God is love. Okay, now saying that, I want to tell you two things. One, love is not something. Love is someone. Love is not something. Love is and who is love? God. If you're truly in love, then you will be abiding in God. You say, you know, but I, we are so in love. So what you're telling me is both of you serve in Jesus? No, we're in love. No, you just told me something else. What you said, here, here's what, what do you mean when you say I love you? You're saying, I'm attracted to you. I feel passion when I'm with you. See, what you, the reality is you don't understand what love is. The enemy loves to play with our emotions. Say amen. amen. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. I, I don't know, is this, just, is this my microphone acting weird or something here? Because every now and again, God wants me to get real loud. I can tell, all right? Battery's probably dying or something. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Amen. You should read that at home a few times. Let me promise you something, okay? If your relationship is only based on passion or emotion, it's going to end because the passion will not always be there. You cannot trust your emotions. You cannot depend on feelings. Feelings will change. We are all emotionally unstable. Don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to feel. It's wrong to base your family, your future, your children, your home on how you feel. I just don't feel it anymore. I, I look at you. I don't feel attracted to you. Okay, now my wife is sitting there right now, and she probably thinks I'm really pretty right now. However, can I get an amen from some husbands and wives? There are occasions that she don't want to touch me. Spray me off. Listen, you need to understand what I'm telling you. When, what God is saying is, when God is saying, I love you, he is saying, I'm with you, and I will never change my mind. It's not about chemistry. It's not about being a soulmate. That's all nice. It's about agape. It's deeper than all of that. There is nothing more painful than a person who allows emotion to drive the train. You need to let agape, God's unconditional, perfect, fully committed love, drive the train and let emotion be the caboose. Because you're always with me. Because you won't leave me. Because you won't forsake me. It causes me back at the end of the train to go, hallelujah. Sometimes on the front of the train, we're doing all of this. Right? And we don't have an understanding of who God is. Anybody read Facebook? Come on, lift your hand, anybody? Because on Facebook, a bunch of you put this, your pictures up. All right? I love these pictures. All right? Yeah, that's Brett and Devin over there. I love those pictures. He had hair. And uh, John and Nicole. And that's Maggie and Tony. And I'm thinking, you guys are so cute, so cute. Make sure Devin knows I put this up, all right? And they all had the same post. I thought one of them had written it, but they didn't. They all, and it said this, 
For all of you so eager to call it quits and throw in the towel on your relationship because everything isn't perfect, here is some food for thought. Lifelong commitment is not what most people think it is. It's not waking up every morning to make breakfast and eat together. It's not cuddling in bed until both of you fall asleep peacefully at night. It's not a clean home filled with laughter and lovemaking every day. It's, about, it, it's someone who steals all the covers. It's, come on, slam doors and a few harsh words at time. It's stubbornly disagreeing and giving each other silent treatment until your hearts heal. I'm not really in agreement with that one. I'll work on that one, okay? But it's about forgiveness. It's, it's coming home to the same person every day that you know loves and cares about you in spite of and because of who you are. It's laughing about the one time you actually did something stupid. It's about dirty laundry and unmade beds without finger pointing. It's about helping each other with hard work of life. It's about swallowing the nagging words instead of saying them out loud. It's about eating the cheapest and easiest meal you can make and sitting down together at 10 p.m. to eat because you both had a crazy day. It's when you have an emotional break down and your and and your love lays with you and holds you and tells you something everything is going to be okay and you believe them it's about still loving someone even though they are gone it's about still loving someone sometimes uh, even though sometimes they make you absolutely insane living with the person you love is not perfect sometimes it's hard but it's amazing and comforting and and one of the best things you'll ever experience go ahead come on see this see these pictures up here that's what they're saying and i happen to know some stories about all these guys it's true. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 8, 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now watch this in Ephesians 5 and 25. Then he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How do you love one another? Sacrificially, with agape. All right, there's more scriptures here. Uh, how many believe our children have to see what we're saying right now? Because I get this. I can get carnal. I know you think I'm perfect. Look at me, Pastor. Just shake your head and say, no, say it. Say it ain't so, Pastor Rick. I can get carnal. I can get frustrated. I can get angry. But baby, at the end of the day, we are still committed to one another. We still love one another. Come on, look at your children. How many know your kids can get carnal? Come on, got any single mamas in the house? You know what I'm talking about? Kids can get carnal. How many know mama can get carnal on occasion? Anybody know that? Get all frustrated? Come on, at the end of the day, we are committed to one another. We love one another. We've got to get this into our homes because the devil is a liar. Okay, I'm going to finish this up. Finally. We must fight for the church family. I got this. You got that? Toss that at me. Toss that to me, okay? Boom! Okay. I'm going to show you how Vince Lombardi started every preseason football practice. You guys excited? Okay, I'm going to show you Vince Lombardi's way of beginning football practice. Anybody know who Vince Lombardi is? Great. Yep, I got some Packers fans in the house, okay? Vince Lombardi, this is the way he starts. Every beginning of the season football practice. He brings everybody in, the old guys, the new guys, recruits, and he puts football in his hand. Not a flat one like this, but he puts football in his hand and he says, okay, guys, gather around. This is a football. That's how he starts it. This is a football. Gentlemen, this Say it with me. This is football. Okay, now you're saying, that's ridiculous. No, we got to fight for the church because sometimes we're so busy doing church that we forget the fundamental. 
Come on. We're so busy jumping up and down, running all of our ministries and looking pretty. Come on. And we forget that the fundamental reality of the, of the church family is Matthew chapter 6, 16 and 18. Look at this. Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, I'm old school, prevail against it. Come on. What an awesome response. Only given to him by the Holy Spirit. Peter is affirming his faith in Jesus. Who is the Messiah? Jesus. What? Jesus. Is What? Jesus is the Messiah. Say, Jesus is? Jesus. And we are his church. We are what? We are the church of who? The only reason we're the church is because of? You've got to get this. The enemy hates what I'm telling you right now because the stats are staggering. Two-thirds of the United States doesn't go to church anywhere on a Sunday morning. Because, you, come on, how many know you do not have to fight the traffic on Sunday morning? Anybody know that? You don't have to do it. But listen, especially those of you who have dropped out and decided, you know, i got some folks who I love very dearly. They never come to church. It's their church. Just ain't here. Am I webcasting right now? <laughs> Listen, listen, don't buy into the idea that this does not matter. I want you to understand that the hope for the nation is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He built this church to fight against hell. We are the spear. We are the point of the spear. We are the church. And some people say, well, I, I don't really, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I just, I'm just not a part of the church. I don't like religion. Just, and I want to say, get behind me, Satan. Because you are not speaking the things of God. You are speaking the things of the enemy that does not want the church to be united and be the church of the Lord Jesus. I'm about finished. Somebody ought to play music. I, when Diane and I, a decade ago, went to Israel, one of the places that we visited was Masada. Anybody been to Masada before? Masada, it's out by the Dead Sea. It's um, still there. It's, uh, if you know the story, the uh, zealots of Israel, this was, after, this was in 70 AD, the, the zealots uh, revolted against Rome and it, the uprising was brutally stamped out and ended with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And the survivors fled to Masada, which is a fortress that Herod had built near the Dead Sea. And today, it's the excavated remains of, of, of Masada have become a national symbol. What happened at Masada was 900 zealots held out until for three years. Then the inevitable day came when 15,000 Roman soldiers breached its walls. It was high, it's high up on a mountain and hard to get to, but it was quite a fortress. So the Romans were breaching the walls and the Romans delayed the final attack until dawn. And that night the survivors met and they voted suicide rather than being captured by the Romans. And they drew lots. And uh, it was an awesome thing to stand in that space. They drew lots and they chose 10 men to kill all of the rest. 
And each man laid down on the ground with his wife and his children and embraced them. And together they waited and for the blow from the men who were chosen to deliver it. Uh, and then the last one killed the last guy and then took his own life. So when the Romans poured through the, the breached firewalls, uh, the breached walls, there were fires that were just kind of burning quietly everywhere, and there was a ghostly stillness. And finally, there were two old women and three small children that came out of hiding to tell the story. And so the idea was that we're not going to give the Romans the pleasure of overcoming us. Now, here's the truth. None of that needed to happen. You know why? Because when they were in Jerusalem, they were in the most fortified city. And what happened is in Jerusalem, they already had enough supplies and the best protection. And the, the problem was that by day, the Jewish people were fighting the Romans, but by night they fought against one another. And one of the zealots got angry and burned their food storage. And that's why they had to go to Masada. They might have been victorious. Preach, Pastor. They might have been victorious if they would have stayed in Jerusalem. Come on, we are the church of the Lord Jesus. Anybody with me on this? We've got to not only agape our kids. Did you feel the love when we came up here earlier today? We've got to love one another. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what sister so-and-so did. And I, I'm saying, let's talk about that. But you better get over your bad self. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this. All right, with this scripture. Read this with me, Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, here's what happened, okay? How many know Jesus was crucified? No, 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 you don't know he was crucified. You, you think you know he was crucified. Here's the reality of crucifixion. Inter torture had become entertainment for the Romans. They had perfected torture. You didn't get sentenced to death and they took you to a room and killed you. Or, No, no. They took crosses and they put them in the public square on the side of the road and they masterfully tortured individuals. They tortured them so effectively that they stayed alive day after day after day after day. It was the most horrendous thing. Anybody that said the cross, everybody went, oh... It's the most ugly thing. It's just, it's just horrendous. The idea. Anybody wearing a cross? Is anybody wearing a cross? Yeah, people wear crosses. You know that? How ridiculous is that to wear a cross? I mean, in Rome, nobody would have wore a cross because it was an in instrument of death and torture and murder. So they crucified Jesus. How many know Jesus died for our sins? Anybody know that? But Jesus flip the script he's hanging on the cross and they have masterfully tortured him they have ripped the skin off of his back they have put nails in the proper places on his hands so that he would bleed they have nailed his hands and his feet to a cross they have spat upon him they had ripped his beard literally from his face they stripped him of all his clothes he was hanging there naked and then they tortured him emotionally by stripping him and then taking his garments and gambling for them. Wow. And Jesus is hanging on the cross in that torturous place. 
And he looks down at the individuals that were killing him and he said these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, it shifted from being an instrument of torture to an instrument of love. That's why you wear that cross necklace. You don't wear it because it's so beautiful. That's why you have a tattoo of a cross on your hand or on your arm. I was there at the hospital yesterday and looked over at Lerone's arm with his wife and he had a big cross on one side of his arm. Then he had another tattoo with scripture all over it. There is nothing that I'll face that God will not give me the courage to go through it. But he will with every storm make a way of escape. Jesus, Jesus. See, some of you right now, you're wondering, what can I do for the church? I want you to get involved in ministry. But first of all, I want you to fight for the church. Say, how can I fight for the church? I don't know who hurt your feelings. I want you to go ahead and say, I don't know what they did, but I forgive them right now. Anybody with me on this? And I want you to take that same cross into your family and I want you to look at your husband or your wife and you say, I know that you hurt me. But you know, I don't know. You probably, I just want you to know that I forgive you. Come on. Get that candle that I gave you back on Easter. Light it. Put it in the middle of your table and start praying together. Get your children together and say, I know we've been fussing and fighting, but it's over now. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit into this house and we're going to walk in faith and walk in grace. We're going to fight for our family, for our homes, and for our church. We're going to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. We're going to fight the good fight and we're going to take hold of eternal life stand with me if you would come on stand with me everybody let's give thanks to the Lord for the word today would you do it come on give thanks to the Lord for the word thank you Lord praise you Lord Jesus praise you Lord Jesus so for those of you who need to surrender your lives to Jesus Christ some of you just need to give your life to Jesus I want you to know you're at the right house for that okay if you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to get your life right with Christ. How many have ever been there before? Anybody? You need to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I, I, I repent of my sins. I confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and I invite him into my life. If you are here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, this would be a good day. You might say, well, Pastor, I'm a mess. Should I do this? Yes. We love messy people here. We love them. The house is full of messed up, broken people. Or you might have just been real religious all your life, and you've decided... I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. All right? So close your eyes just for a moment, just so I can see. Is there somebody that needs to surrender their life to Jesus, give their life up to Jesus today? Just wave at me and say, hi, pastor. Just wave at me and say, yep, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Wherever you are, just wave at me. Wave at me. I see you. 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 Praise God. Let's say it. Come on. Let's pray. Father. Come on. We're not going to do the Jack and Jill prayer that we prayed last Sunday. Okay? Come on. Let's say it. Father. Thank you for Jesus. I just, from your heart, thank him for Jesus. Thank you. I know Jesus is the Messiah. I know he died for me. Say it. I know he died for me. Now, 
If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and you want him to be the Lord of your life, just say this with me. Jesus, I give my life to you. You are in control of my life from now on. You are the Lord. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me and come into my life by your spirit. My life belongs to you. Now let's give thanks to the Lord for that. Everybody give thanks. If there are those that need prayer today for any reason, I want you to come and stand up here. If you want somebody to anoint you and pray with you, pray for you, just start moving on towards the front. Everybody else, just be worshipful for a moment. Everybody else, be worshipful. If, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, if you're struggling in your family, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. If you're struggling in your marriage, I want to pray with you. If you're struggling with uh, relationship issues or just... Just anger, just with anger. I want you to come and stand up here. I'd like to pray with you. Come on, let's pray for a moment. Father, you know the needs of the people in this house. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch them. You would bless them, that you would heal them. Some of my altar workers, come and help me. Some of the prayer team, come and assist us as well. Come, Holy Spirit. You know the needs of the people in this room. You know the needs of the people in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Now, I don't know what everybody's situation is in the room, but before you leave this house, you're going to have to hug and embrace three or four folk. All right? You're going to go ahead, tell them I love you, tell them I bless you, I'm with you. All right? And then after you've hugged, blessed one another, you can be dismissed as you choose. All right? Are you ready to do this? Father, we thank you for what you've done in this room today. We thank you for your message. We thank you, God, that our lives will never be the same. We thank you on this Memorial Day for all that you have done. And we ask, dear God, that you would bless this people, bless this church, bless these homes. As we leave this place, we go to fight for our families, and we will win because you are already victorious. And now, Lord, we bless these people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you all. Be dismissed as you choose. After you've hugged a few people, take your flags outside and plant them in the memorial area.